Welcome to Offbeat Columbus. I'm your host, Matt Ward. I'm a father, husband, cynical realtor, demotivational speaker, mediocre graphic designer, former travel comedian, and completely unqualified spiritual guide. Each week, we will bring you the weird from Columbus, Ohio, and beyond. Thanks for joining me. This week, we're going to discuss Circleville's gay Hitler, the stay-in-place order protesters at the Ohio State House, the Marion man who's become famous for dying of COVID-19, and of course, odd crime stories from around central Ohio. So, in my travels, I, as a realtor, as I've discussed before, I am, I come upon things that occasionally uh, pique my interest, and they make me want to know a little bit more about this thing. And uh, recently, I was traveling in Pickaway County and near Circleville, and I was showing a house on Huber Hitler Road. And it made me curious as to why the name of the road was Huber Hitler Road. I come to find out very quickly, after a message from one of my Instagram followers, that there was a series of Hitler Roads in Circleville. So I set out to do a Google search to find out what the origin of the name Hitler was in Pickaway County. I found an article from allthingsinteresting.com entitled, Ohio Has a Hitler Road, Hitler Cemetery, and Hitler Park, but they don't mean what you think. This is by Annie Grau. It was originally written August 15th of 2017 and updated on April 11th of 2018. Ohio's Hitler family includes Dr. Gay Hitler and George Washington Hitler. We kid you not. Here's the article. If you were to get a little freaked out while taking a tour of Circleville, Ohio, the residents would probably understand. After all, your hypothetical tour bus would have passed Hitler Number 1 Road, Hitler Number 2 Road, Huber Hitler Road, Hitler Pond, Hitler Ludwig Cemetery, and Hitler Park. Maybe a few of the remaining Hitler descendants would have waved hello from their porches. We know what you're thinking. Hitler is bad. We probably shouldn't pay tribute to him with cute Midwestern parks. But don't worry, these Ohio landmarks are tributes to the other Hitlers. You know, the county pioneer ones. No? Not ringing any bells? Well, according to the Circleville Herald, the Hitlers who settled Pickaway Township in 1799 were actually, quote, fine upstanding citizens, unquote. They were farmers with good reputations who couldn't have known the burden their sure name might put on their descendants. During the war, my parents went through quite a siege of it. George Hitler Jr. told Ynet News of the stigma that comes with such a name. They had to change their telephone number. His family, he argues, actually has more of a claim to the name than the genocidal leader who ruined it for everyone. Adolf Hitler's adopted father, he was born out of wedlock, was possibly named Heidler, but eventually changed it, possibly due to a misspelling. The first Circleville Hitler was George Hitler, born in 1763, more than a century before Adolf. George married Susanna Gray in Pennsylvania, and together they had four children. One of them was George Washington Hitler. And just as you thought it couldn't get better, George Washington Hitler had a son named, ready for this, Gay Hitler. In 1922, Gay became a local dentist. Dentist Gay Hitler. Dr. Gay Hitler. That was a person's real name. The only thing funnier than this family tree is the complete nonchalance with which local residents regard it. It's one of a kind, World War II veteran Jay White said, of why he hopes his street keeps its name. There's probably some other motivation there. 
Jonathan Chait, a New York Magazine writer who did a whole series on Ohio, decided that the story of the Circleville might answer the questions that serve as a catalyst for his reporting. What is the problem with this state? Ohio was settled by Hitler's. The idea of living with the name Hitler intrigued filmmaker Matt Ogens. In an effort to explore how much a name can influence a person's life, he created a documentary called Meet the Hitlers in 2014. I have a friend from college who married a guy by the last name Hitler, Ogens told Vice, of how he thought of the topic. I remember visiting them and seeing a name on the buzzer. I would get Christmas cards saying, Happy Holidays from the Hitlers, and there was something quirky about it. It got me thinking what it must be like to take on the name or to be born with that name, how it would affect your life positively and negatively. The overall takeaway from making the films, Ogens said, was that we can't always say the name Hitler in a hushed and horrified tone. That gives the guy too much credit. Besides the point, he added, people should be judged on their actions and who they are as people, something that says much more about you than your name. Maybe the same principle can be applied to towns. In local news, which has now become national news, a man in Marion, Ohio, which I will not use the name of, because I think it's disrespectful to his family, died of COVID-19 recently after declaring publicly that he thought it was a political ploy. So originally it was just a few articles and a few uh, posts locally screen capturing the guy like people are terrible for doing and talking about uh, his death and saying things like this is a Darwin Award and other really shitty uh, inconsiderate things. This is still a person. This is still a, uh, an individual with family who has feelings. And I feel like it's a little inconsiderate to lampoon someone because they made a very bad decision and drag their entire bloodline into it. This is an article from the New York Post about that individual. I will um, Beep out his name or something. I don't know. I'm just not going to include his name, so I might skip over it. Man dies from coronavirus after calling it a political ploy. Howie Feltersnatch, 60, passed away last Wednesday. It's not his name. I'm just not going to use his name. Uh, passed away last Wednesday in Columbus, exactly a month after reportedly firing off a series of angry messages about the contagion. And here's the post he put on Facebook. Does anybody have the guts to say COVID-19 is a political ploy? Asking for a friend proved me wrong. He wrote this on his Facebook page on March 13th. Two days later, Feltersnatch reportedly called bullshit on Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's stay-at-home order, closing bar and restaurants. Here's the quote. He doesn't have the authority. If you are paranoid about getting sick, just don't go out. It shouldn't keep those of us from living our lives, he wrote, according to reports. The madness has to stop. The posts have since been deleted, but they were saved and shared widely on social media, including coronavirus talking head Dr. Dina Grayson. In sharp contrast to his reported posts, his family pleaded in his obit for everyone to continue practicing social distancing to keep each other safe. See, the family is on board. The individual leaves behind a wife and two sons and will have a live streamed funeral service on Wednesday. That is a poor idea. You could not have known a more loving and loyal husband, father, son, brother, uncle, and friend, the obituary said. Simply put, Howie Feltersnatch loved life and loved everyone he knew with his whole heart. But 
in this time of quarantine, in this time where our rituals are disrupted, that's the thing, the rituals, right? The things that you're used to doing, going to get your cup of coffee from the place you always go to, going to sit down at a restaurant, good chance he was a local and went to a specific restaurant once a week, every week, if not more. When that's taken away from you, you feel like parts of your life have been erased from you. You feel like your rights are being infringed on, and that's where we need to empathize with these individuals to a certain extent. Unfortunately, they're not really being taught the coping mechanisms of how to deal with change, especially at this stage in their lives. I mean, it's one thing to be 22 years old and suddenly you can't just go out to the bar and get drunk two or three nights a week. Yeah, that's a bummer. But when you're in your 60s or in your 70s, the simple things that you do are the reason that you still have the will to live. Am I sympathizing with this guy? Yeah, to a certain extent I am. But, I mean, you still have the decisions that you make as the uh, you have to live with the consequences or die with the consequences if this happens to be the case. But what I'm asking everyone else on the left and on the right is maybe be a little bit more compassionate to people when they do make bad decisions resulting in their death. Is that some libtard, bleeding heart thing to say? Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not because I think my Democratic friends are the ones that are sharing pictures of this guy and being like, look at this dumb motherfucker. He died of COVID-19 after he decried that it wasn't a real thing. Well, guess what? People probably die all the time of things that they're responsible for doing to themselves. Skydiving, for example. What about the YouTubers that were like all trying to take these great selfies and ended up plunging off a cliff to their death? I tell you what, if you lampoon them publicly... You'd be taken to the cleaners on Facebook and other social media platforms. They were just doing what they loved. Howie Feltersnatch, which I will keep him as his name, uh, here's to you. And hopefully you're able to have that BLT at whatever sandwich shop you stopped at every week, every day, every week, whenever it was. Whatever your rituals were, hopefully you're in the afterlife and you're enjoying yourself and you're at peace. Here's a story from this week newspaper. Um, Stay-at-home order leaves mark on Delaware crime stats. Now, this isn't a weird story as much as it is a unusual story and kind of a significant story in regards to the unintended consequences of the stay-in-place order here in Ohio. The Delaware County Sheriff's Office and Delaware's police and fire departments are dealing with a new reality during COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Sheriffs and police officials said the number of incident reports they've received has decreased noticeably during Governor Mike DeWine's stay-at-home order. Nothing any of us have ever seen is anything like this, said Delaware Fire Chief John Donahue. Police Chief Bruce Pijanowski told City Council during an April 13th meeting that in March, his department took 230 fewer reports than in March 2019. Captain Adam Moore gave This Week Delaware News specific numbers comparing March 24th to April 11th of this year with the same date range in 2019. The city took 380 fewer calls in 2020, he said. During that time frame from 2019 to 2020, traffic accidents fell from 48 to 16, theft reports fell from 53 to 23, Juvenile complaints fell from 37 to 30. That's not a fall. 37 to 36. That's not a reduction. Domestic violence reports fell from 54 to 41. 
Are people just not calling the police? Because this shit is still happening. It has to be. Bijanowski said the drop in domestic violence incident reports is in contrast to expectations that domestic violence would increase under a stay-at-home order. However, those expectations were accurate when it came to the sheriff's office. Sadly, domestics have seen an increase, said Tracy Whited, the department's community and media relations manager. In March 2019, she said deputies took 36 domestic incident reports, which include both domestic violence and incidents that don't escalate into violence, such as arguments, disputes, and unruly juveniles. This March, she said, that number jumped to 58. The number of domestic violence arrests went from 7 in March of 2019 to 12 last month. In addition to domestics, we've seen a slight increase in loud disturbances, complaints, and neighbor complaints, White had said. Also, we're concerned that we've already seen an increase in suicide attempts from 13 in March of 2019 to 19 in March of 2020, she said. We urge residents to reach out for help if they are struggling. Deputies made 11 arrests for driving while intoxicated in March of 2019 and 7 last month, she said. Well, they're not going to the bars. With less traffic on the road, she said, if you drink and drive now, the odds that we will find you have increased. Yes, there's less people on the road. Moore said he believes the city's motor vehicle traffic has decreased, adding, Delaware is doing a good job of complying with the stay-at-home orders. He said the police department's staffing levels have remained consistent since the stay-at-home order was issued. We've made some minor adjustments to our day-to-day operations, but our ability to respond to needs of the community remains the same, Moore said. We have received a few complaints regarding violations of these orders, but overall have seen a lot of voluntary compliance. In an effort to reduce exposure to the corona, virus, Whitehead said, each deputy now spends one paid administrative day at home each week. On those days, deputies are on call if needed and must be available by phone. Deputies have access to personal protection equipment such as face masks and have used it as needed, Whitehead said. So, not a weird story, but an unintended consequence of the stay-at-home order, right? Domestic violence being up? I could see that. I'm ready to strangle my whole family, and I'm sure they're ready to strangle me too. We haven't done it, but I'm sure if we just had a few more ounces of liquor in us and less education, we'd be beating the shit out of each other. It only makes sense. So what's going to happen when they lift the order? Are we going to see a jump in crime? I think so. People are already driving like motherfuckers. They're on the road going 90 miles an hour and 55 with no concern whatsoever. People racing all over the place. I sound like that old man that's like, you just need to slow down. It's getting out of control. It's true, though. Have you been out driving anywhere? People don't care about traffic laws right now. They realize that there's less likelihood. There's much less likelihood of them being arrested for driving like an asshole. This week on the podcast, we're going to start a new segment where I read ridiculous comments made by ignorant people on the local news channel's Facebook pages. And these are plentiful. I have definitely become friends with some people by spending time in these comment sections, making people, uh, well, being a keyboard warrior more than anything. But first, we're going to start off with a post from NBC4 from two hours ago. It says, Amy Acton. We are going to have to live with the virus for at least 18 months, which is why we're building an expansive recovery network. Of course, this is going to incite some beautifully ridiculous comments. Top fan David Justice says, please continue to panic. It's good for our ratings. 
And then he shares a picture of a chimpanzee. And the chimpanzee meme says, When someone starts telling you a story, and you already know they're full of shit. He's not very good at memes. NBC4 top fan Alexis Evans Palson says, Time for our leaders to do a better job if protecting the uninfected public from government overreach while tending to less than 1% of the state that has been affected by COVID. Amy Acton is a quack. Guestimations are unacceptable in any health situation. Hashtag open Ohio. Okay, Alexis, I don't even think I have to make fun of you based on having trouble reading that. Another billion comment. Humberto Gomez, I didn't read that incorrectly, Humberto says this virus was here, is here, and will remain here forever. So get used to it. In all caps, of course, open your eyes at Corona hoax. Okay, Humberto, I think your name is a hoax. I do want to say that NBC4's Facebook page are master trolls. They know exactly what they need to post to make the people that read their Facebook page posts go batshit crazy. Here's an example. They post, do you think mass gatherings should be allowed for churches? I was surprised at how long it took to find someone that said yes. Brenda Jones says, yes, if you can go to Walmart, you can go to church. You still have the option to stay home if you're scared. Yeah, you big pussy. You're going to Walmart, aren't you? Aren't you nestling up next to someone trying to get some toilet paper and watermelon or maybe just trying to get you a Snickers bar and somebody's in the way? Same as church. You're just going to be in the pews donating cash, right? Thanks, Brenda. Helen Williams says, On our church, we have enough seats to set five to six feet apart since, S-E-N-C-E, we got a new sanctuary, but family could set together. Together is spelled together, T-O-G-A-T-H-E-R. Thank you, Helen Williams. Sounds like your church has declining attendance. Finally, we'll end it with this. Kim Santagata Yes, Santagata says, I think it would help some very anxiety-ridden folks. I was told by a co-worker her church still meets in a secret building. I don't think that's church. Sure, it's going on elsewhere, but some folks need the calming effect of a worship service provides. P.S. It's my viewpoint, which I have a right to, so keep your nasty comments elsewhere. Let me please point out that Kim Santagata has a tiger as her profile picture. So anytime I read a post from someone who has an animal as their default, I just assume I'm reading it in the animal's voice. That tiger has some balls, but I want to find out about this secret church meeting. Not to report them, but so that I could like show up outside and try to join the church, but tell them that I'm really disappointed because I only want to be at a church in a secret location. When they go back to their normal location, I'm not interested in being there anymore. Maybe next week I'll have a name for that segment, but for, for now it's just me reading the dumbass comments in the Facebook posts of the NBC4 news page. I know I said earlier I was going to talk about the protests that were happening at the Capitol during the 2 p.m. update of the coronavirus from Mike DeWine, Amy Acton, and uh, I decided after reviewing what I'd recorded a few times, I'm just not going to use that section because 
it's not enjoyable to listen to for me, and I don't think it'll be enjoyable to listen to for you. The only question I have that was pertinent from that section is this. If you are going to protest the stay-in-place order and you believe that coronavirus, COVID-19, is a hoax, then why are you wearing a mask, a protective medical mask, while you are protesting? That makes absolutely zero fucking sense. And now it's time for a real estate flashback with the House of the Week from the Columbus Dispatch from August 18, 1985. The address... 1063 Highland Street in Victorian Village. The charm of Victorian Village, with its individualized designs, appealed to the buyer of this 100-year-old two-story frame house, according to selling agent Julie Karpik of Tri-County Realtors, 6455 East Livingston Avenue in Reynoldsburg. An enclosed atrium is at the back of the house, where there is a six-foot privacy fence. The lot is extensively landscaped and has a two-car detached garage. The main floor has a parlor with a decorative fireplace, formal dining room, large living room with bay window and wood-burning fireplace, and large kitchen with original exposed brick walls and built-in appliances. The upstairs has three bedrooms and a bath. The range and the refrigerator were included in this sale. The house has gas heat. Carpix said homes in the neighborhood range from $30,000 to $200,000. It is served by Columbus Public Schools and is convenient to downtown shopping and I-670. The buyer used a conventional mortgage to finance the property. Pat Collins of Renaissance Realty, Inc., 1969 Harrison Avenue, was the listing agent. The asking price was $64,500, but the buyers purchased it for $59,000. Taxes were $189 per half year. The home last sold on December 4, 2015 for $280,000. Very interesting what home values were in the 1980s and where they are now. You would have not guessed in the 1980s that there would be such a movement for people to move back to the city. In the 1990s, I think it really started to happen. You see it in Victorian Village. You saw it in Old Town East and some other neighborhoods, German Village. And now you see it all over the center city. I'd like to give a shout out to Cecily King. She is responsible for starting a movement in Columbus that I would like to see grow beyond her. Uh, and it has a little bit. But she puts up the signs on the overpasses throughout the city that have motivational and inspirational sayings. Uh, and I think that it's very important that we help her in any way uh, carry on what's happening with what she's doing. And if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, she posted uh, all over Columbus things that say, you are enough, you are worthy, you are valuable, you are loved, black lives matter, black families matter, uh, don't give up. And those inspirational messages have been extremely important for us, especially during these times. And she's been doing it since far beyond uh, the pandemic and the effects that it's had on us. If you would like to help her out, um, there's instructions I've included in this uh, episode of the podcast on how to make your own signs. And if you would like to contribute materials to her, I'll leave, uh, you can send me a message and I will give you her email so that you can reach out to her directly to get involved in uh, what she's doing for the city of Columbus and beyond. Thank you, Cecily King. And uh, we appreciate what you're doing and love you. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Offbeat Columbus. 
I want to apologize for anyone who is an audiophile as we work out the kinks in trying to get our audio and sound quality where it needs to be. I am also not a professional editor, so if anyone would like to take over that chore for me, I would be happy to send the files your way. You can find me on Instagram at offbeatagent. You can also go to offbeatcolumbus.com and contact me that way. You can listen to old episodes of the podcast and read some of our uh, blog posts as well. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you next week.